Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Presented by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live, this series is made possible by the fine folks at Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson. Today we are absolutely delighted to be talking with Sam Herring of the band Future Islands, whose music is fantastic. It is not uncommon to find a review of their albums using terms like brilliance, zenith, captivating, anthems. And if you've not seen Future Island's amazing 2014 performance of their song Seasons for The Letterman Show, I would highly recommend checking it out to see that brilliance in action. It's all there. The quality of the music, the boldness in Sam's voice, the growling, beating his chest, his dancing. It's just epic. It actually reminded me of Joy Division performing Transmission on the BBC in 1979. Now, on the Going There podcast, we talk with musicians who not only have fantastic music, but also are stepping up to share their struggle with mental illness. Our goal is to have in-depth conversations and take on the tough topics so we can learn from each other about what it means to cope with mental illness. And our hope is that through these conversations, we provide a safe place where people can feel heard and validated so we can challenge the stigma of mental illness, come out of the darkness, and get the care we need. Now, what Sam discusses in our conversation is the very dangerous and unfortunately very common cycle of depression, addiction, and suicidal thoughts. This cycle can start for many people when they experience depression, no joy in their lives, perpetual sadness, not being able to connect to themselves or anything around them. And what can often accompany depression is suicidal thinking, the idea that escaping their life will end the emotional pain and isolation. And the escape of suicidal thoughts often goes hand in hand with the escape of addiction, just getting those few moments of feeling some kind of relief from emotional pain. But the problem is that the essence of addiction is tolerance, where they need more and more of the substance to get the high and withdraw the horrible feelings they have when they aren't high and their body is craving that substance. And so what Sam talks about is the cycle by which the cocaine use that was meant to soothe the feelings of depression and suicidality just exacerbated those feelings of depression and being alone and isolated. So let's go there and check out what Sam has to say. Sam, welcome to the Going There podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So one of the things that I've been so impressed uh, about you one of the reasons i've been so impressed by what you've done is not only uh, is the music fantastic but i've been very impressed by how open you've been with some of the different issues uh, with which you've struggled in terms of mental health and i thought i would just open up the discussion by just your sense of, of what are the different things with which you've struggled 
Um, well, I think, you know, I, I feel like I really started to, because definitely like in writing songs as early as uh, 18, 19 years old in our band preceding Future Islands, I was dealing, uh, you know, talking about my own feelings of isolation and those kinds of things that, that kind of uh, were a part of my life as a youth, feeling out of place, self-conscious about who I was, how I was perceived, uh, feeling self-conscious about my body. Um, but really, I think I made big steps in 2014 in our album singles. We There's a song called Lighthouse, and that was the first time I'd really kind of uh, really openly spoken about uh, suicide and suicidal thought. And that was something that really was, uh, probably has been a part of my life since my teens and up into that point uh, was becoming very, very frequent um, through uh, 2010, 11, 12, and, uh, and kind of released, released from that for a time uh, in 2013, getting out of a bad place and kind of coming to terms with where I'd been, but also, also seeing how much, uh, you know, that song is more reflective on a relationship that I was getting out of, but getting out of that relationship was the thing that released me from this pressure that was that was pushing me towards this thought. But it's interesting because in the song, I'm speaking to this person and they, you know, is an actual conversation in that relationship of them saying, you know, you're not this dark person. You're not this dark person, you know, you're, you're a beautiful person. You're full of light. You know, I'm, I'm saying this person is full of light, but they're telling me I am. And, and it did help me for a time. But in the end, you know, for me, I, even early on in my very first, uh, you know, uh, tries at writing poetry at 14 years old, I was speaking from a very, uh, to a very dark place, you know, and maybe that's part of being a teenager, you know, like as the black shroud falls over my, my puckered face, who will surround, you know, I, but I, but I, I also understand that that's all part of, was part of my journey. So very early on, I've dealt with feelings of isolation. I dealt with feelings of like body conscious and body image issues. You know, I was a little short fat kid. Um, I felt out of place and that, that, turns into uh, feelings of alienation that turns into uh, to early early stages of depression and that becomes drug drug use drug abuse um, and yeah and then you know for me at this stage and you know, I still deal with all of these things and probably deal even greater in the last six years with uh, growing social anxiety which is is not new to me but it's become more intense over time and I think as uh, as there's a larger spotlight on this on our band over the last six years, it's made the social anxiety worse. It's not made me feel better about myself that people feel, um, you know, that that people are are more positive on a larger level. It's made me more conscious of myself. But but all of these things are all for me uh, things to explore and to understand and to come to accept. You know, I don't I don't choose to. Uh, to try to hide the darkness, I try to illuminate the darkness, to understand the darkness and see the positivity in, in touching, in being able to, to think about death as being able to touch death and to be able to understand what that means to have it taken away is to understand like the beauty of life at times. But also try telling a doctor this because I once did at an acupuncture clinic and all of a sudden there were five doctors around me asking me a lot of questions. And I was like, no, no, I really believe in the power of of that thought of thinking about you know mortality uh, to to understand life even better. So I don't know. I have I have uh, a lot of complex thoughts on it. Well, you know, I want to go back and tease apart a bunch of the things that you said because each one has its own kind of interesting 
set of circumstances and emotions and consequences. But I want to start with the the thing thoughts about suicide. Um, you know, there's so many ways that we can come to the idea that suicide feels like the right choice, unfortunately. Um, but two of the things that seem to be very common across different people who, who are thinking about suicide is that there is intense emotional pain and there's a feeling like it'll never go away. And I'm kind of curious just from your perspective, you know, what do you feel like got you to that point where you were actually thinking about taking your own life? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably just a feeling of, uh, of, yeah, not, not, not knowing what what to do next not knowing uh where the it's kind of like where the end is but where the beginning is sometimes you find yourself at the at the best place you've been in a while and and at the end of a journey like you've set out on a great goal and you've accomplished it and instead of feeling fulfilled you feel like you're lost and and that when you're at a place that's so uh that's so positive where people would love to be in your shoes and you feel lost and not knowing what to do, you know, it's, it can be very scary in the same way. Uh, yeah. I think, I think generally um, those feelings of isolation that we just feel as children through societal um, uh, structures, um, the boundaries of how we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to feel um, or fit in, um, those kinds of things can really twist our, twist our minds, you know? Um, I mean, I, you know, I really think a lot of my, my issues, my, my drug abuse issues, not, not drug use issues, but when I was really abusing drugs and I had a really bad cocaine problem between the age of 19 and 21, I was like a gram a day for two and a half years. And it took me a lot to break free of that. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the, the the cocaine that I was addicted to at first it was just the, the feeling it gave me to not feel all the other shit that I was feeling I was just filling a hole inside of myself uh um you know fill, filling this thing that I'd been trying to find a something to to fill that with for a long time so so I don't know I mean and then you find yourself in those areas and it's a whole nother thing like how do I get out of this issue you know when you find yourself um, in a place where you're kind of ashamed of yourself or scared or, um, or just like broke and thinking about, you know, I've had thoughts about, you know, getting a gun and robbing a fucking convenience store, you know, <laughs> like, like these are thoughts that I've had and thought about for long periods of time at points in my life. Um, but also, you know, I understand that, that, that feeling of escape is, uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of now I'm saying things that that have taken me away from that because there's so much that's taken me away from that ledge. You know, I've never I've never cut myself. I've never, you know, uh, put a gun to myself. I've thought about these things. I've never I, I've thought about these things. Um, and, you know, my like my depression is something ebbs and flows through me every, you know, a couple weeks. You know, you're up you're up for a little while or you're feeling fine and then it just hits you and you, you just don't, you just feel down for a week, but I understand it now, you know, it was different say 10 years ago. I didn't understand these, these waves, but, uh, but now I understand it as just like, it's like just a part of who I am, 
you know, and, and at some point you do come to accept that. Um, and the same with those thoughts, those thoughts just will sometimes come on. And I don't feel, I don't feel like it's, uh, it doesn't make me lesser than to have those thoughts. And it gives me a greater perspective. And, it, and for me, luckily, you know, and a person who has lost friends to suicide. I mean, and I mean, it's crazy too to become a drug addict after losing friends to drug abuse. And then you're like, and then you just keep going until you're in that same place because of your pain, because of your anger. You know, you follow those things, you know, better, you know, you know, I know better than this, but you go down there because sometimes you do have to see for yourself. I mean, even after I got clean, you know, every six months or once a year since then, I find myself, you know, fucked up by myself. And I, and I have to, you know, for years, it was a thing like, you know, I got clean in 06 for years after that, maybe seven or eight years, it was this thing where every six or seven months, I just had to get a bag and touch the bottom. And that's what I would say. Like, I need to touch the, I'm in a depressed state and I have to touch the bottom so that I can come up. And I started, I really believed in this. And I started to talk to friends about it. And they're like, yo, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be using that. I'm like, well, in my mind, it makes sense. You know, in my mind, I have to get to the bottom of this and touch the deepest part of this depression to be able to come out. But, but the, the thing is, you know, some people don't come out, you know, especially if you're dealing with, uh, with drugs, you know, it is, it is touching that darker side without picking up a gun or a knife. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting about what you're describing is, is the cycle that, that we can get into when we struggle with things like body consciousness, social anxiety, depression, you know, all the things that we rely upon to make connections with people are predicated in to a large degree on us being in an okay place. You know, so we might feel more comfortable going to the beach if we're not body conscious or going to a party if we don't have social anxiety or just doing things that we enjoy uh, if we're not depressed. And if, if there's the cycle of, of having these feelings that interfere with our making those connections, we have that isolation, we have that disconnection, we have that emptiness. And mm -hmm. then you're left with, well, now what do I do? And, and it doesn't really matter at that point what caused it per se, because you're not even really thinking about that. You're just like, I just know that this feels horribly. And then it's just like you said, like, you know, people wind up, well, I'll do what I need to do to not feel this way. Um, and it's, it's, and, and that's, you start to understand a little bit like, well, why would someone, when you know that there was a friend who was a drug addict, like, why would you start doing drugs? Or why, if you know, there's a friend who was, you know, uh, depressed, like, why would you want to get to the bottom like that? But, you know, I, I at least find it's like, when you're in that zone, I don't know that you're really thinking about any of that stuff. You're just like, how, how on earth do I make this stop? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and for me, like, like I said, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy, but you know, I, I know that I have to touch the bottom. I have to feel the full weight of things, um, to, to emerge in some ways, because, you know, that, that feeling can, can drag on and drag on and drag on. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm really at a great place in my life right now, and it feels really good to be there. And, you know, a part of that is having a, having a solid partner, which is not, that's not a, good advice for someone like go out and find yourself a nice a nice partner and then you'll be fine because that's just a bunch you know you the fact is you cannot lay that on anyone's shoulders like your mental health 
you cannot lay on anyone's shoulders. Um, and, and part of learning that is, is part of being a good partner and part of being a good partner is having a good partner. You know, it's all kind of leads into itself. And this is me as a person who's gone in and out of relationships um, for years, you know, 36 years old now and, and uh, learned a lot from my mistakes and, uh, and also just, you know, find, uh, yeah, finding myself all the time, you know, because this is, this is a constant thing where you are just like finding yourself, learning out how to help yourself, then learning how to help uh, others with those understandings, like uh, learning to, to speak, um, you know, uh, so much of, so much of Future Islands music uh, has become something that uh, means a lot to people because we try to put a lot of, a lot of uh, ourselves into it. You know, it was those early songs, uh, 2008 and nine, realizing um, the more honest I was about my own feelings, the more there was a response from the audience, you know, after shows, um, because, because people, people felt, you know, even when I was saying the most personal things to myself, people were like, I went through that too. And, and realizing that for me early on uh, in our career was really great because uh, it kind of, you know, it's like um, when you have these kinds of feelings, you're, you know, people, people feel like no one understands how I feel. Like no one in this world knows how I feel and I feel so alone. And when I started to to, uh, and I, I'm that kind of person who is feeling this way. And, and then uh, sharing these feelings, you realize that there are thousands of people and then tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that feel this way. And you can share, you can share this feeling that makes you feel so lonely and it actually makes you more connected with more people. And, and I think for, as, as a musician, as a creative and with a growing voice, um, it's really great to be able to, to talk about these issues and talk about these really deep and dark personal feelings and uh, and realize how much it's going to help other people by by coming from a place of of having a voice because a lot of a lot of feeling isolated and alienated which can lead to those anxieties and those depressions um, and those fears of facing the world come from not knowing how to communicate and not feeling like we have a voice in this world. At the same time, we're at this crazy point in the, in the history of the world where everyone kind of has a voice, but we also don't. We're like screaming into, into this like echo chamber it's, or it's just like screaming into the abyss. Like we have a voice, but we don't. So I think it's important too as a, um, I don't want to say it's important. I don't feel like all artists need to Need to share those personal stories but it's really important for me to share those things because personally it makes me feel less alone and i know that it's going to resonate it's kind of like you can you can try to write a song uh that's like catchy and it's going to catch people and millions of people are going to listen and that's awesome but you can also like write a really kind of intense song that's still catchy but it's it's a little bit deeper it's a little bit harsher it's a little bit more real and it's not going to reach that same amount of people, but the people that it reaches is going to resonate with them. It's going to resonate in this deep way. And they're going to feel that song and they're gonna, they're gonna be there for you. They're, they're going to care about, about what you do and they're gonna become a part of that because like our shows have become places we like to think ideally where people come together and know the kind of people that are at the show. Like, like if you like, or if you love Future Islands and you're at a show, then it's kind of says something about um, your heart and your openness to being open. 
Um, and if and if it's your first time, like that's that's our job and my job in particular to to crack you open, to try to to try to crack that shell and allow allow those feelings in or those feelings out. You know, that's I mean, this is these are my my ideal my ideals for for what we do at our best and the understanding of how important a, a cathartic moment can be. Well, you know, one of the things that you're talking about is, you know, there, there's there's different ways that music can make us feel. So one of the things you're talking about with something that's 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 more poppy, if you will, is that, you know, that's something that we can just enjoy. We can enjoy the music. We could say, hey, like this is a good way of spending my time. And that's and that's and that's good. We can feel better for a moment. But then there are certain songs or artists or performances that are more what I would consider to be transformative, where it's not just that you're enjoying it, but it actually takes you from point A to point B. And, and this gets to something that, that we talked about a little bit beforehand, which was, um, you know, obviously your, your Letterman performance uh, back in 2014 was this kind of epic event for a lot of people and when i watched it i was i was kind of sitting there because i didn't i had never seen it before so i was like what is all the you know what's all the hype about and i was sitting there and i was watching it and i was like what on earth is he doing but then i started saying what is he doing like it shifted from whoa like this is this is shaking me a little bit to i'm now curious and it, it in and and the transformative nature of that for me personally, was I went from being comfortable to being uncomfortable to being curious. And, and, and the idea that some music can say, well, I'm going to be comfortable. Now we're going to talk about uncomfortable feelings, or I'm going to perform in a way that's maybe a little bit different from other people. Um, and it was an epic performance. And now it's going to open my mind a little bit. Now I'm, now I'm in an open-minded place. I'm willing to think about things in a different way. And I feel like that's what you're talking about as far as both the content and the performance of your music. And that's definitely what I got out of it, uh, particularly from that, because I felt like it was really, you know, everybody who comes on the show is like does kind of similar things, which is great. But here's a guy who's going to do it a little bit differently. And as, as we talked about before, it reminded me of Joy Division uh, on the BBC channel. Um, it, was, it was just very, it was very impressive where I was like, I'm seeing something different. And that can be very powerful, especially when the topics are mental health issues, because then people become more open-minded about how they think about themselves and, and their their feelings, their behaviors. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, for me, performance has always been something that I was interested in before we started our first band, before Future Islands. Um, it's something I discovered when I was about 17. Um, and was at a special school uh, over the summer before my senior year of high school. And I had some teachers who completely changed my brain um, and introduced me to the idea of conceptual art and performance art as, you know, the process is the product. You know, there is there isn't a painting at the end. There's not a there's not a drawing, but we're going to create something right now in this place. And the reactions that we get and the way that we we carry it out is is the thing that is the piece of art. Of course, as a as a really stoned seventeen year old, I loved this idea. <laughs> you know, because I was obsessed with hyper realistic, uh, you know, pencil drawings, um, and I could, you know, it kind of actually ruined performance art. Ruined my uh, 
my concentration that I used to have. I had amazing amounts of patience. Um, I fell in love with this idea that creating a reaction, whether positive or negative, was was a positive. That by that by shaking people in their average daily lives, even you know performing on a street corner. Um, you can you're creating something you're creating something they remember that the that the ether that ephemeral is is that action is the thing that that leaves the impression um and it's not something that's monetized um so so that was kind of like me going into college and meeting meeting the guys and starting our first band um but it's but that idea has always stayed with me in in creating a reaction and trying to you know, I'd say I'm similar in in relationships. I'm very much a let's just set this thing on fire and see what's standing, you know, like early on. Like I want to get if this isn't going to work, let's just get it out of the way. Um, you know, I, I'm that way, but I, I'm that way kind of on stage. Like I want to I want to challenge the 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 audience to to make a decision. And and if and sometimes that decision takes time, you know, that moment, uh, the Letterman performance was polarizing for a lot of people. You know, it really, it, it really had people fighting, and it feels good to see people fighting on your side. And it's weird when they're fighting against you. But I also saw people who were like, "I, I have been watching this uncomfortably for days, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and now I get it, and I can't stop watching it, and I love it." And that's the kind of response that you that you're most proud of. Like, I think as an artist. It's not the people that you win over immediately, it's the people that you turn, that you you get inside of their head and you change their mind about something. Because, because this is something that's been a big part of my art and, uh, and speaking with, talking about mental health issues. I mean, since before I went off to college, uh, I was already kind of obsessed with this idea of, you know, my own, my own issues with body consciousness and how I looked and how I felt out of place became things that I started to, to push forward, you know, wearing the most like ripped up clothes possible with a suit jacket over the top and, and, and wanting to be seen as this kind of dirty, rough kid. And then, and then coming right up to you and speaking eloquently and being very polite because that's who I am. I am this guy, but I want you to, I want to, wanted to even play with that on the street, you know, um, in, in normal societal situation, like like I want I want that person to have a moment in a normal conversation where they say, oh, in their head they say, oh, this is this person, and then and then I interact with you, and you are like, oh, well, you're that's not who you are at all, because because to me, like I was already playing with that uh, those things in myself, and and the thing is, like on stage, I still feel that that is, you know, the element of surprise has always been our greatest asset because. You know, me and the guys were just good friends. We're nice guys. We grew up in small towns in North Carolina. You know, we're just we're we're really sweet dudes. And uh, and then it's it's kind of like we kind of just look like normal guys. We're not fashiony. We have terrible fashion, honestly. Um, <laughs> and and then we come on stage and we do what we do and we do it raw. You know, like like we may look like whatever, but we do this raw. And and I want that to also be a point in people's minds to flip that switch. Like you see me one way, but this is this is the truth. And I'm giving you everything of myself. You know, I talk about the those ideas. You know, I have I have these social anxieties, but on stage, I'm not afraid of who I am. 
Because on stage, I have the microphone and I can tell and show you who I am. That's like my, that's my chance. So in a way, like I've taken those, those things that are some of my greatest weaknesses in my life and turned them into my greatest strengths. But it's always been a difficulty to, to pull those things back from the stage back out into my life. I still have not completely gotten to that point. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting closer to finding, cause it's about a confidence. It's about a confidence on the street. I don't get to project who I am. I, I only feel like I am the visual representation of myself on a stage. I can be powerful and I can be vulnerable. I, you know, I can be eloquent and I can be weak. Um, and, and, but at the same time, in all those, of those highs and lows of our humanity, I'm still in, you know, I still have some control and, and, uh, and joy and, and love and sharing, sharing art and sharing this with my friends, you know, my, you know, I always talk about those ideas too. You know, I get a lot of credit, you know, if you're a front person in a band, you always get a certain amount of credit, um, which is, you know, I always try to give it back, you know, cause I'm, I'm nothing without my guys and like Garrett and William, we've been making music together since 2003, you know, it's almost, yeah, almost 18 years writing songs together. And that, that, I don't think people realize how that relationship and, and those guys on me like pillars, they're literally like pillars of strength that allow me to, to be strong. You know, they're like, they're literally like backing me up so that I can, I can fully come, come free and express myself freely as I, as I want to, and as I feel, um, feel strongly about, you know, we always talk about this, like if William, if you break a string, then, then, you know, I'll do something crazy. <laughs> you know? If, uh, and if, if my mic, if I break my mic cord, you know, you guys just keep, keep going, you know, like we have, we support each other in those ways. And those, those things are, are uh, really important, but they're, you know, like I said, these are all ideas that, that you kind of, you, you, you learn what's happening over time. At first, that's just what happens. And then you, over time, you, you're able to, to see how they develop and why they develop and, and how we feel these certain ways. And, you know, that's, that's a thing, like a song like Balance for us, which is a song that just is like, just, just, it just takes time, just hold on. You can clean around the wound, but if you wanted to heal, it just takes time. It's really asking for people to, you know, it's, it was written as a song of like my older self singing to my younger self. And right now I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, but it is like knowing that sometimes when we're young, we just want to give up and we want to take ourselves out. And we don't want to be here, you know, when things get hard. And sometimes you just have to like push, you just have to push a little bit farther and farther to get past that point to understand that, yeah, it is hard, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's worth it to keep going and it's worth it to the people around you that you keep going. And eventually it, it's still hard, but it becomes easier and we're able to manage it in a different way because we come to a greater understanding. I mean, that's, that's so much of, uh, yeah, my fear is like the friends I lost when I was, I mean, I, I just lost a friend to suicide of, uh, less than a month ago and it was really very difficult. Um, but as a person that deals with, with those thoughts and has, and if, thought at great length. I also, you know, it's a weird feeling because I'm like, if he really felt that, if he really felt that afraid and he felt that alone, you know, I hope that there is some peace. I hope, you know, that's all you can do is hope that there was some peace found, but, but uh, it's scary, you know, and those, 
those are the kinds of things that go into your head when when you're you're having those thoughts you think about you think about those people you've lost how did it make you feel you know how would how would how would your parents feel how would your your siblings feel how would you know the people you love feel so whoo it's a lot <laughs> it is a lot indeed but it, it's you know i appreciate you you know talking about it this is you know it's obviously very tough stuff you know one of the things that i'm i'm, I'm struck by but what you're talking about on stage is that and this is something that your teacher said to you if you can embrace the process as being valid and valuable in and of itself without being as concerned about the outcomes you now have a, a dynamic engine that's that's always there and it kind of doesn't matter as much it, it winds up here it winds up there the 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 fulfillment the purpose is is becomes the process and what you're talking about artistically is at least from what I've seen of you guys, I mean, it really works from my perspective. I'm one of the people who would have been arguing for the Letterman performance as an example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that the question becomes, and I'm kind of curious because you alluded to this, how do we get that, that engine going in our own life? Because you know, being, having body consciousness or social anxiety or depression is problematic, but it's mostly problematic to the extent that you don't feel like you want to enter into a dynamic that might change it. You know, it's like it, if it if it's static and it feels like it's forever, that's when it really, really starts to become a problem. If it's part of, oh, this is where I am now, but I'm used to, you know, having a more dynamic and uh, active process in my life. So you know, let's just see where this goes. That can be different for people. That could be the difference between, you know, quite frankly, life and death. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, how did you get from feeling stuck in those emotions to feeling what it sounds like where you are now a little bit, you know, which is feeling more free to confront them more free to work with them. Hmm. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a really direct moment of change. I think it was more of a, a continuing to work through process. I mean, uh, my life really reset, um, you know, from, from my, my drug problems, I, you know, uh, left, left the town. We went to college in Greenville, North Carolina on, oh, what was it? it was, I think it was the last day of June, 2006. And I went and told my parents I had a drug problem. Can I stay here for a while? Here's my keys. Here's my phone. <laughs> don't, don't like throw them in the sea, you know, take these away from me so I can't leave and I can't do anything. Um, and that was a big reset. You know, it took a, it took a year, year and a half to kind of start to be, feel anything like my old self to, to, uh, to uh, feel creative. And there, there's a song on our very first album. Uh, it's called old friend. And it speaks to this. Uh, it was it's kind of like one of the first songs I wrote coming out of this, uh, this year, year and a half. Um, and it was the first, like uh, when we, when we recorded that album, we recorded in a, in the upstairs of a skate park in Greenville, North Carolina called Backdoor Skate Shop, which is where Art Lord and the Soul Portraits, our first band played some of our very first shows. And uh, and we were there for three days. And the thing was, I hadn't been in Greenville for a while. Like I, uh, I, I lived out of my van for about six or seven months. Then I moved across the state to Asheville, North Carolina. But I was, I was always making sure that I stayed at least like two or three hours away from Greenville. So if I had the urge in the middle of the night to 
that I needed drugs. I was too far away for me to drive, basically. You know, it was it was too far away. And uh, and so just staying away. So I, I moved to Asheville and was living there across the state from the guys where we would meet up every every a few weeks and play play a few shows and stuff like that. But we weren't really writing. And then I, I came to record that album and uh, we we wrote this song along with a song called Little Dreamer and and the the album title track Wave Like Home in those three days while we recorded the rest of the album. But but that song was um, you know I whisper I whisper the tongue like an old friend. Um, I spend my time here alone. You know it was it was about me talking to myself but seeing myself again seeing seeing the true side of myself because when I went off to school like I mean I, I have, of course had dark thoughts but I was but I was so confident and I was just like brimming with art, artistic ideas and so sure of myself and what I did and within like three years I was just this broken person that it felt like I'd threw everything away you know I was uh I was delivering pizzas and I had gotten, cause I'd gotten fired from my dishwashing job. I was kicked out of college, you know, I'm like, you know, my, all of my plans were out the window and, and music was kind of a constant, you know, in a big, you know, I know it's cliche, but it did, it saved me from, from, I don't know what, you know, like when everything else went away, there was music. And part of what music was for me was my friends, you know? So I'm, I'm not only re, you know, a year, a year on from being sober, I'm not only reintroducing myself to myself, I'm also reintroducing myself to my friends, like these people that were such a big part of my life, but through my own addiction and isolation, I wasn't a good friend and I wasn't there for them when they needed me. And they tried to be there for me, but I was like, I'm having fun by myself, leaving me alone, you know, not, not able to see what was really happening and not able to understand how much they were trying to help. So I think that first year was really important for me to just be away from everything and kind of rediscover who I was. And as I continued down that road over the next year and a half, and then, you know, in the next year and a half, it was the big move to Baltimore. And the move to Baltimore was just another part of, uh, was, was a part of that belief in this music, you know? And in that, there was a galvanized friendship. There was the friendship of, me, William and Garrett moving to Baltimore and then us making the decision that, you know, moving here and moving here, we're going to take this seriously. You know, this band is going to be very serious. So, you know, through that, there just becomes a greater, you know, I'm still looking to discover myself. I'm still trying to dig in and find that person who once was, you know, that person who, who wasn't afraid. Um, and that's part of the joy and beauty of being young is you don't you don't know what there is to fear just yet. And even in songwriting, you know, some of the best lyrics I've ever written, I was 18 and 19 years old because I didn't know what a shit lyric was yet. And some of them are kind of bad, but they're kind of good because they're bad. They're like, you know, they, they're they're not bad, but they're I would never write it. I would never write it again, but I'm like, this is really amazing because when we're young, we don't have this filter. And so in this time I had, you know, I, I like buried myself in this hole of myself thinking that I was getting deeper to some truth. And instead I was getting farther away from my confidence. And then, and then, uh, yeah, just trying to, trying to build that back up in a world where, you know, for the first time I'm, I'm having to connect dots on my own. Like, my parents have always been supportive um, and and helped me along the way. But when I when I got out of college and you know 
I dropped out and told him I was a drug addict. That was done. <laughs> it was like, okay, cool. We'll get a job. You know, we'll want you to be safe, you know, but now, now you have to learn to, to take care of yourself. And, and that was a big, uh, that was a big thing. So all those moves, moving to Baltimore, I think luckily for me, I had, I always had this, you know, William and Garrett, William and Garrett, you know, that was a, that was a thing that never changed. Those were people that I always had to face. And I always had to, uh, to remember that original, those original lies, you know, those lies that really tested our relationship. And there's a song on our newest album, uh, As Long As You Are, called Thrill, that is all about this, these, uh, these feelings, you know, and I wrote it in Sweden, which is my new home where my partner is from. Um, and I was feeling so disconnected from the guys sitting in the countryside in Sweden on like a beautiful summer day and I'm missing my friends and I'm realizing things that I realized years ago which is that I completely ruined those friendships you know and I and I'm really lucky that the guys stuck around and continue to stick around for me but but it, it scared me you know and I, I've only really talked to the guys it's funny because sometimes I just I write the songs and I'm like please listen to the songs uh, <laughs> a little bit deeper to so you can hear how I feel. But I remember kind of breaking down with them in an interview because I was telling them, you know, that song is about how, how I like was not a good friend. And, and I've, I've feared for, for 15 years that I ruined our friendship forever, that I've, that I'll never be able to be as close to you as I was because of the things that, that, uh, that I lied to you about the, and the, you know, through, through my drug addiction and just trying to be alone. And, um, and the things that I missed, you know, the things that I just didn't, I wasn't a part of because I was in my own hole, like literally in a cave of my apartment that I was living in. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, those are things that you don't really get over, you just rediscover over time. But for me, you know, writing the song is always uh, been a key for me to understand, to be able, some people, some people learn through hearing, um, some people learn through speaking, some people learn through writing, some people learn through seeing. And for me, it really is that, you know, I have to put it on the page. You know, the first step is just like letting the brain go, dropping any filter, um, trying to unfilter the speech, unfilter the heart. Don't be afraid of what comes out. And then looking at it and just saying, you know, if you write something and you say, whoa, that's heavy then that's the song that I want to write. You know what I mean? Like that's the line that matters. The one that you're scared of is the one that you have to say. And when I, when I put it on that page and then I demo it and I send it to the guys and then we then, you know, learn these songs and they, we record these songs and then they become a part of the tour. It's something that I have to continually confront. And it's, it's truths and, and understandings that I've come to in my life and or things that I'm afraid to share. Um, that uh, that I have to that end up becoming things that become mantra, you know, like I have to speak them and I have to I have to confront them and they release me over time. You know, they uh, it's but but, you know, it's important for me, but I also know how important it is for the art. You know, it's important to be honest or else, you know, I'm up on stage. I can't be I can't perform, you know, I can't have a transformative performance if I'm singing words that don't mean anything you know the power of the power of the letterman performance is not only that we were just a band 
uh, in our prime at that moment who, you know, had played so many shows and were just ready for this moment, but it was the power of those words when they were written and that feeling when it was written and, and, and put in front of people, you know, when you, when I, when I get to share those feelings, it, it's scary. And that feeling is freeing, you know, it's like, I, my best shows are like those nervous shows. <laughs> and I was so nervous um, because you don't know what's going to happen. Like, like I know we're going to kill it when we play a, you know, play a big show, but, but those moments when you're not quite sure, you know, you can, you can't, you can transcend to another level because of that, because like you're, I don't know, it's not, it's not that your confidence is dropped. It's just like, there's, there's a chance for something unexpected to happen. And there, there's a beauty in that. And that, that's part of what you're talking about, about putting yourself, actively putting yourself in situations to try yourself. You know, speaking about anxiety, there was a crazy thing with this album. Um, you know, uh, the record we just put out, it was the first record that we co-produced uh, with the producer. And, and when we initially went out to making this record, before we went out to making this record, we'd already talked about, you know, we need to start taking back more control. We don't want to work with the producer who and be on a deadline. Like, let's take as long as we want and make this record the way we want to make it for the first time in our careers. Um, and part of this, so a lot of it was like taking back this responsibility. Like after, after Letterman and the album singles, we did 300 shows on that. We toured for 22 months and we were just burnt out. And when we got off of the road, we took a month off and then we wrote the next album in six months, recorded it in a month and a half. And then three months later, we were back on the road. And I don't remember making the record, you know, it's one of those, like, we were just, we were like, let's drive let's follow this momentum like let's just like let's write some new songs let's get back to it but what happened was we kind of became like a business model instead of a band and and uh the band was growing at such a rapid rate after letterman and singles that we lost track of you know it's just kind of like like i can't deal with this you know this hurts my head this hurts my head can you answer this can you answer this to like the team you know to management to label to to new people that are coming in, you know, as, as the band gets bigger, you get a bigger team. And as you do that, you start giving other people your responsibilities and making this record. We were like, okay, we are take all the responsibility back. We need to be in more control because what happens in those situations is you make bad decisions sometimes and you don't get mad at yourself and learn something from it. You get mad at someone else, but you're the one who told them to make the decision instead of just making the decision. And then, making this record, we're like, let's put it back on ourselves, try to do this. And I found through the process of making this record that I've had less anxiety about making the record, about writing songs, about the relationship and the stresses within the band uh, than I have in years and years. And it was freeing. Like it, all the things that made me have more anxiety in the past, so I wanted to ship them off. I said, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to read it, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to make a decision myself. And it actually made me feel less anxiety to, to take the responsibility to do the thing and to not put it on someone else's shoulder and then just worry about, I hope their decision is one that I like. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, hey, can you make this decision for me? You better make the right one. That's <laughs> not fair to anyone. And it's, you know, uh, it, 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 but it took to making some bad mistakes and losing control, losing control of this, this thing that's so important to us uh, that we had built and then being um, 
in a place where it's just like, why are, why am I not making this decision? It's like, well, you, you told someone else to, like, you need to, you, uh, you need to step up or get used to it, you know? So, so it's actually a really freeing, like in the end, like we made this record, I was terrified at the beginning of it. I thought maybe it could be the end of the band. I didn't know if we would make a record, you know, it was like, let's give it a shot because we were, we were having issues with our friendship, you know, um, because of the success of the band, the growth, we had grown apart. So a lot of making this record was not only taking that responsibility of, of all the parts of the record back on our own shoulders, it was also like the responsibility to each other to start communicating again and having like, you know, really intense conversations, you know, like, this is what I think of you. And this is how I think of like, our relationship has gone wrong. And this is what I would like to see from our, like things that are hard to say sometimes, even to your closest friends, because I think we often forget that, um, especially with friendships, I think in, in relationships, we should know if we don't know, but I think we know more that we have to, we have to constantly water the garden. You know what I mean? You have to constantly um, to, to show love and to, to uh, accept love and, and, uh, and sh show, just show care, just, uh, you know, constantly, I shouldn't say constantly, but, you know, be active in your relationships, um, in, in sharing with one another and open in your relationships with friendships. It's easily, especially like a group of guys that are just like in a van. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's easy to forget that those relationships also need to be upped. They need to be spoken about and they need to be, uh, yeah, cher cherished uh, openly. Like, like, hey, I really care about your opinion here. Could you give me your opinion? Um, because it's, it's really easy for resentments to rise and take over, um, uh, take over those situations and you're not even connecting anymore. And that can really lead to a lot of darkness when you're like, the only people that really get me don't get me, you know? That, I mean, I think a lot of people that probably deal with depression understand that feeling, you know, of feeling that miss, I, I feel misunderstood even by the only people that actually understand me. Um, and for some people that only have a few good friends, that can be really damning, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah you know, what you're, what you're talking about, and, you know, just even from the beginning when you're talking about coming out of addiction and now depression, is that, you know, whether or not it's it's we're struggling with a really tough thing like an addiction or depression or we're dealing with something that's potentially really good but but kind of you know taking us out of our comfort zone it's really hard to know when do you pull back and regroup and when do you reach out and connect and and try to make things work even if if there are difficulties and i think that that's something that that people with depression or addiction really struggle with because you know Sometimes the depression, you know, part before there were psychiatric conditions. Um, sometimes when someone is depressed, it, it, it actually can be helpful to not just see it as, oh, this is something I have to eradicate, you know, as more as something I have to accept, like, like when I'm sick and say, I need to, I need to step back a little bit. I need to give myself a chance to heal from whatever it is that's, that's causing this. I need to be contemplative. I need to uh, reorg a little bit. And, and how to give yourself permission to do that, if that, in fact, is what you need, and heal while staying connected to people. And whether it's because you let them know that this is what's happening or you, you know, that is such a, that is such a difficult thing to do, whether it's something bad or even when there's some kind of success. You know, like what you're talking about is like, when do we as a band need to 
pull back from all the success a little bit and just just kind of regroup and, and find ourselves again. Yeah, I mean, I'm really just going to agree with you. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's and it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard to talk to a friend who's going through addiction too and and depression because, um, you know, I, I definitely as being a person who's open about things that I've been through. You know, I have friends sometimes reach out to me and say, and I have a friend going through this. How do I speak to them? You know, with addiction, you're just like, you can't really, you just have to love them and make sure that you, they know that you love them and eventually hope that they can find their way out because some, you know, some people just have to find their way. Um, but, but it is important to remind people that you're there and remind people that you care um, and, and hope they find their, their way out. I mean, and that, that's a really difficult thing. That's like just what I was talking about. You know, my friends knew that I was going through this thing and they constantly, you know, trying to get me out of the house, you know, come, come hang out over here, come hang out over here. And I'm like, Oh, I'm really busy tonight. I'm working on something. <laughs> I'm really just alone doing drugs by myself and, you know, selling, selling bags on the back door and just like, okay, here, get the fuck out, uh, kind of stuff. Like really, you know, not doing any work, um, <laughs> and, and ruining my friendships. Uh, and they knew they, they did all, they didn't know how to deal with it either. I mean, we were 20, 21 years old, you know, like kids don't know how to deal with that. And they don't know the severity of, we don't know the severity of our actions or where we're going. Um, but yeah, I think it is really important to just, uh, to just check in, um, you know, that, that's the fear too, you know, with suicide, it's, it's so hard, you know, because it puts so many people in a bad position, like my friend who just passed, you know, I have a lot of friends who were like, I wish that I had reached out sooner. It's kind of like it's too late in the end. So, so yeah, it's, it's important to hear now if you're listening, you know, if you have a friend going through something or, or just like somebody you love, you haven't talked to in a while, just reach out and say, hey, you know, because that, that can make a big difference. Um, not even in just a day, but just, uh, you know, so much of our society um, and, you know, my feelings that, uh, that, you know, I think made me feel the way that I still do to this day, as in, you know, the, those issues that are persistent all come from, from a childhood of feeling somewhat different and alone, um, and those isolations. I think, I think uh, it's intensified in these moments where we're, we're so hyper-connected, but we're also not connected at all, you know, and it's very weird um, how, how that works. Um, and, and the way that we communicate is, uh, is really broken, you know, um, and, and communicating, the, I mean, that's, that's why I try to be so honest, is to make, is to, the hope is, is that it'll make people unafraid to be honest, you know, if that guy can do it, you know, if he can do it in front of these 10,000 people or these 500 people or these 10 people, sometimes it's harder to say that stuff in front of 10 people than it is in front of a festival stage. You know what I mean? Um, if you can show people that there's, there's strength in that and you can come out smiling, which is the truth, you know, it's not, that's not a, that's not a lie. I'm a, I'm a happy guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm a, I'm a warm hearted person, but I go through things. And that's not something to be, that makes me weak, you know? I don't feel weak because of that. And I think sharing that makes me even stronger um, of a person. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when uh, when I 
when I had kids, I remember, I, I don't know if I read this or someone told me, but I was like, okay, so what, what do I do as a, as a father? And, and I don't remember where I got this from, but someone basically said, you, you got, you know, two words as a father, you know, or maybe two statements, I love you and no, those are the two things. And what's so interesting is that if, if one of my kids does something that is harmful to them, they all of a sudden become two people. They're the person that I, let's say my kids are like running up the stairs and like not being careful. And I'm, I'm concerned they're going to like break their head open. They, yeah. they are now the person that I love. And then they're this other person who's doing something reckless that might harm the person that I love. And mm -hmm. when I get mad, I'm getting mad at the person who may have been doing something harmful to them. But the person that I love is sitting there being like, well, if you care so much about me, why are you yelling at me? You know, mm -hmm. and I find that that's a very similar reaction that that can happen when somebody is is caught in addiction or is caught in depression or, or social anxiety or any of these things where you, the the kind of urge is there's this person that I love so much and I want them to 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 be good and to be happy and then there's this person whether through addiction or depression or social anxiety there's this part of them that I just want to yell at you know and be like like stop because you're hurting the person that I love and it's so hard, but so important to not lose, just like you said, to just not, you almost think to yourself, like when you're giving this feedback, the most important thing is that that person knows that you love them because that's the thing that they're picking up on. If you're depressed and someone is angry because they want you to be better, all you're picking up on is they're mad at me. They don't love me. They hate me. Yeah. And it makes you know? them want to hide more. It makes yeah, them want to go it, away more because they don't yeah, want to feel that, that shame. Yeah. And when you're, you're dealing with someone with social anxiety, you know, social anxiety is about the fear of negative evaluation. And so you're like, come on, man, like come to the party. And it's like, all you're hearing is like, oh my God, they, you know, they, they, they don't like me because I'm not going to the party they, they, you know, but there's something in the friend usually, or the loved one or whoever it may be that, that, that loves you. It's just that at those moments, it's, it's sometimes hard to convey. That's why what I, I think what you're saying is so important. It's like, if you, if you have someone who's struggling with mental illness in your life, always make sure that first and foremost, that they know that you love them. That, and if you're losing that ever, that, that you're kind of going in the wrong direction, you know, because yeah. if you lose that, they're going to pick up on that. I think that's even for ourselves, you know, when we're treating ourselves, like if you're ever talking to yourself and losing the fact that you love yourself, I mean, maybe you're saying something that's technically helpful, but it's, it's the, the main thing that, that you need and that other people need, which is that love is lost. Yeah, I mean, well, self-love is a really important thing that I think is lost for a lot of people. And it's probably the biggest thing that I've been working on for for years is just coming to terms with uh, with appreciating myself for the things that, you know, instead of getting, uh, I'm, I'm always hard on myself. And I think as an artist, that's something that maybe is part of being an artist, <laughs> you know, um, criticizing oneself and push, pushing oneself to work harder, strive for more. Um, you know, those ambitions can be, can be uh, really freeing and life-changing and they can be extremely debilitating, you know, um, and they can take us away from, uh, from life and from people we love. So, so it's always, you know, there's always a balance there, but uh, you know, I, I've been really, you know, there's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's a hard thing to come to terms with, but I'm really realizing, you know, those ideas of, 
of uh, you know, loving. When you love somebody, you you want them to believe you when you tell them that. <laughs> you know, you want them to. You know, I love you. Do you feel that love? That makes me happy. And then they say, I love you, you know, and you're like, who, me? <laughs> you know, you're like, just say something like that. Yeah. And and instead of being like, yeah, because I'm worth that. Like, yeah, because the person that loves that I love should love me, too. Like they should care because I care. And, you know, and I don't know. I've only realized this in the last few years, how much that's been an issue for me in my life. Um and uh and how when when my partner says i love you and you're beautiful to me why i'm not just saying yeah i am beautiful and 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 feeling like the warmth of that and so i've i've really been learning to to accept and understand uh you know accepting a a compliment or accepting uh accepting love is also a form of of self love you know if you if you have trouble accepting that love i think it it says about it says something about how we feel about ourselves um and so at some point we have to you know because we don't need you know i've spent my life you know part of the reason i think that i go up on the stage and i do what i do and that makes me feel comfortable is because i have spent my life trying to prove to myself that i'm worthy of something and for many 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 years it's been the one place where i've felt that I am worthy and that I do serve a really important purpose, that I do have meaning. And it's given me that. And just in the last uh, two, three years, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I just need one person to love me. I don't need, I don't need these thousands of people. You know, that the weakness, the weakness of myself was that I needed this love, but it was also became the great strength of myself. But the greatest strength of myself is coming to this place now where I'm like, I just need one person's love and I just need, I just need that, that one. And, and really that person is me. You know what I, mean? I mean, even deeper, that person is me. Um, and that, that is a, a really freeing thing and opens, opens me up in such a grander way to be, to express myself even more freely on stage. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, get there. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. Like I, you know, I just think back, and, you know, if someone, I mean, you know, when you have that shame or you have that, that, that low self-concept and you're sitting there and you're like, I just think this person is amazing, whatever. And then they, you find out they're into you and you're like, why? Like, yeah. or, and, and it's almost, it's this weird thing because they all of a sudden, I, I, I remember this, this happening at different points where I just, I almost started like being kind of you know, like suspicious, like, like exactly. well, I thought, I thought you were so cool. Like, why do you, why are you into me? And then all of a sudden what starts to, to occur is that all those times that you've had an opportunity to feel the love, to kind of put that in the bank for when you need it, it's not there. And then when you start slipping into the anxiety or the depression, it's just that much easier to believe that, yeah, these, these thoughts that I have that people are going to laugh at me or that nobody loves me. Well, that makes total sense. Cause I don't have any, I don't have anything in the love bank. Cause I haven't been like really accepting any of those deposits, you know, it, like at all. Yeah. I mean, it's really, this is a, this is a funny thing that came up years ago in a band meeting. And, and I mean, it was important for me to say, but, uh, and at the time I felt really, deeply and i was a little hurt you know because the thing is it was like 
the guys, you know, Wave and Garrett, they're, you know, bass and keys, they make amazing music and they make me write words. Like their music, it's always drawn something from me. Um, and I, and as a, you know, I'm not a band leader. We are, we are, we are all band leaders. And that's important in a band to have that equal, equal access or else you're not going to be a band um, for long. Um, and I think that's been a thing that's kept us going is like, we're all in control, but I'm, I'm always trying to big up the guys because I do get, you know, I do get a lot of accolade because I'm, I'm the singer and, uh, and I'm doing my thing on stage and, and I'm like, you know, uh, always trying to tell the guys, you know, like, I love that. I love that bass guitar. I love, I love these keys, you know, do that. That's amazing. And I was just kind of like one day, like, why don't you guys ever say that you like what I do? <laughs> you know, we've been doing this for eight years and I think there's been like two times that you said, and this is, like I said, this is probably, probably eight or nine years ago. And Garrett, who is, uh, is my, like my best friend since we were 14 and a man of few words, but he's that kind of person. He, he, uh, he's opened up a lot over time, but even back in the day, he didn't say anything unless he had to say something. It was just like a truth bomb that just like drops, just like a sentence that drops and explodes everything. And just like, Oh my God. And Garrett was like, literally everyone cheers for you every night like do you need me to cheer for you too and i was like oh shit <laughs> and i was like okay respect and it was kind of something that i i was feeling resentful of and then i understood it from a very different perspective like i never I, I like at the same time I was like yeah but you can still like tell me if you like what I'm doing you know it's a, yeah I think the answer the answer to that is yeah yeah I do, yeah. <laughs> I but, do need uh, to. thank you for asking but I also understand like I understand that uh there was a whole other side to this that I wasn't seeing and that's that's a really important thing too to realize in in our relationships with people is is uh not only our side you know and how our resentments are often uh misguided and and speaking about depression and things like this it's uh it's one of those things where you know sometimes you get mad at a friend because you think they're mad at them and then and then you act a certain way and then you you don't even realize that they're actually just going through something that has nothing to do with you and and then you're like well now i'm i'm just an asshole for being so self-centered that i thought you were mad at me when really you're just going through a depression or you're going through you know, you lost someone or it's just a day, you know what I mean? So, so it is really, I mean, it's like you said, just coming from a place of checking in with someone and a place of love before anger <laughs> first, approaching things first from an open door, because I think it's really easy, especially when you're in tight quarters, like, like being on tour. I mean, you know, me and the guys have played almost 1400 shows together between Future Islands and our first band. And I probably, I've played close to 1500 shows with William because we have a second band. And, uh, and you know, sometimes, yeah, you're so close. You think you know what everybody's thinking all the time and you think they think the same thing you're thinking, but everybody, like you forget that people have lives that aren't about you. And it's, and that's okay. It's not, uh, it's not like they're running away. You know, I had, I had issues with this because you know, both uh, Garrett and William are, uh, they're both married now, but they've both been with their partners 10 plus years. And, you know, I found myself like falling in and out of relationships, you know, for, for like two years and then out and then three years and then out and then two years and then out. And I'm just like, 
well, they're like, they got it all figured out, you know, and they're figuring out buying houses with their loved ones and like, what's wrong with me? And why do they get to have a life that doesn't have me in it, you know? And, and then it's like, dude, how selfish can you, I mean, this is me talking to myself, just like, how selfish can you be, you know? But, yeah, but to see, the thing is that that's so interesting about that is, and this is, I think, a very difficult thing for an artist is that if you really want to get into those dark, dirty areas that, that can connect with people, you have to be able to, it, it, like, I think one of the problems is, is that, yeah, like, I know exactly what that feels like. And, and it's going to be very difficult for me as a listener to connect with a, an art form where I don't think that the person who's singing it or writing it gets that very thing that you're talking about like that that kind of gross uncomfortable selfish like you know i'm looking at these people who i love and their success and like i'm happy for them but i feel miserable for me and like why are you leaving me behind or like you know like even these things you're talking about body consciousness like you know people who just kind of oh we're going to the beach today it feels so good like let me get in my bathing suit it's like that's great for you I need to listen to somebody who knows what it's like to be like, oh my God, this would be like the worst thing in the world. Like, I'm, I, I feel disgusting. Like, you know, and the problem is, is that I don't want to feel that way. And I'm sure yeah. you don't want to feel that way. But the problem is, is that you're being able to feel that way and convey it is something that helps me feel a little less alone about that. Yeah. And, and that's a big problem. I think we have with our rock stars is that it's, like, I kind of need you to a certain extent to be able to go into those uncomfortable places. And I'm going to be able to pick up on whether or not it's real. But unfortunately, if it's real, it means that you are going through some real suffering. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody suffers, dude. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, for me, I mean, you, you nailed it, though. I mean, it's important to, I know that it's important to share these things. I mean, um, I felt, you know, I went off to school. I wanted to be a, I'm like, I'm going to be a great conceptual performance artist. And it took me about two or three years of school to be like, conceptual art is full of shit. <laughs> and, and, you know, I learned in school, uh, you know, content is dead. And so there's only concept. And then I'm in school and I'm like, well, to me, concept is dead. And then I, I was kind of realizing even, you know, 2001, uh, or two, 2003, I'm sorry, 2004, like, the only thing is to explore is the self, you know, and the how the exploration of the self is, uh, it's a, it's a universal fabric, like, I was really trying to figure out, like, how do I, how do I speak to everyone at one time? How do we, how do we actually create an image, um, or in this case, like, write a song that, that can be felt, uh, around the world. You know, I, I rarely use language that becomes dated. Um, I often, I often use the, the, uh, early nineties hip hop as a reference. Like when people are talking about pagers and stuff, <laughs> like, what, what's a sky pager? It's like, dude, you never listened to tribe. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> you should know all about you're speaking my language. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but those kinds of ideas, like I, I've always tried to, you know, I'm I'm very much more in the naturalist form of of uh, of my my poetry is is of a naturalist form because I want to when I speak of water, anyone around the world knows what I'm talking about. Like what 
what water can be like as a as a as a saving force you know a, a single drop of water or a glass of water to quench my dying thirst or a body of water that drowns me um of the beautiful lake or the the twisting creek you know through the woods like all of all of the, the life and death of water the the beauty and the vastness of an abyss and and these kinds of things that that all like revolve within this space i think i think uh i want to be able to to reach people as much as i can and that that's a lot of you know uh, a lot of the performance side of uh of what i do is trying to translate the emotion of the song for the person who can't hear what i'm saying or doesn't understand what i'm saying you know i often say you know, I hit myself on stage so the audience feels it. I don't do it so I feel it. I do it so you feel it. So you say, ow, you know, <laughs> like I hit my chest and they're like, oh, that must hurt. And then it's like, so you, you know, that's that's a way of like, uh, yeah, just trying to translate these songs through the body. Because I mean, we came up playing in, you know, smoky bars with terrible sound systems. So you have to like show people what you're saying. Like, I care about these words. So I want them to come across. Yeah, this thing you're saying about the water, I think, is so important because I think that, you know, whether it's, you know, as as individuals or as people, you know, who are loved ones or fans of an artist, I think one of the things that's so important about this this water metaphor that you're describing is that, you know, the struggle to come out of the darkness is is so wonderful. And but we also have to respect if an artist is then like you say, like kind of building themselves more and more in the light and that that's also an interesting struggle. That's also dynamic and not this idea like, oh, well, you were depressed before. So that means, you know, some people think this about themselves, like, well, I'm depressed. I can't think in terms of growth. I just have to think about like myself in terms of I'm going to be depressed or not depressed. Or if there's an artist who we love when they were in like their darkest depths and then they start doing something that feels a little bit more light or a little bit more sunny you know, that to not then be like, oh, that's not real. You know, yeah. like that, that's, it's like, it's all real because it's, I think it's I'm going like, through that right now. <laughs> well, no, because it's, it's what you're saying. It's like the, 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 the saving and the healing and the ongoing development of the self and the ongoing process is real all the way through. And you, and look, and you can come at different points in your life where you go back and forth. Like I'm feeling much more in the light now. I feel much more in the darkness, but it's still you. It's still you working on those same things. I think we as individuals and as fans need to respect the fact to let people go through that and not not pigeonhole them. I think it's a very loving act to let people naturally go where they need to go. Oh yeah, well we definitely have artists that we want to keep in their deepest darkest places. And I mean it's really kind of it's gotten kind of gross in the last few years just with you know certain young rappers who are all about drugs and then we like it becomes a part of their their image you know and now and then they just die and they're like 20 21 year old kids who who like saw the fame and became their image and then they felt that they had to push this image further i mean but it's i guess it's not really that much different than rocks you know rock stars and or you know pop icons throughout time um and maybe even you know, I mean, hell, like Elvis or Johnny Cash, like struggling with <laughs> drug addictions. I guess it wasn't really part of their image, but it was maybe more of a tool to get through through the touring, and then it becomes a becomes an addiction. But 
But anyways, I got really addicted to Sudafed years after my cocaine problems because it was because I had a bad cold. And then I realized that Sudafed got you really up. <laughs> and, and that became a problem for for a good like seven or eight months. I got off tour and I was still popping Sudafed to go to the bar. I was like, this is a problem. And th those things can kind of sneak up on you in weird ways um, because, you know, obviously I was just still addicted to this high. but. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think we do put those people, you know, I'm, uh, this record uh, we just put out, it's, it's gotten mixed reviews, but it's kind of cool to be at a place, you know, uh, I think our last album got better reviews, but I had a lot of issues with that record. So I actually, when it got, when it got a good, the last record got a good review, I was kind of like, for real, like you, for real? Well, cool. Thanks. I appreciate that you liked it. I didn't, I didn't even think it was that good. Thanks. And then this album is getting a little less, you know, the bad reviews. I'm like, well, that's okay. You know, because the truth is I'm so confident um, in the record and what we produced and, and who, who I am and how much like the record brought me and my friends together. Um, and, and like, we did it ourselves. You know what I mean? Like that kind of the pride that I feel uh, for what we were able to accomplish and come together closer as as a band and as friends again over the music, you know, like friends before the music, um, is so important to me. Uh, but but I am seeing some of that where people are like, we kind of like, why isn't he as broken and <laughs> and mad and sad as he was, and like before? And it's like, well, first of all, I'm not like a 25 or 26 year old, like I'm. I'm dealing with emotions differently now and I'm and I am in a better place and and honestly it's okay if you feel that way because I'm okay that I feel this way I'm I'm okay that I'm coming to to points of acceptance uh, of myself and trying to become a better speaker and a better listener and that makes me a more even-minded uh, writer and communicator of my feelings because because our feelings you know, sometimes our feelings like take us, like uh, they take us really high or they take us really low, and we we really want to explore that. But I think I think a really I think a good writer also <laughs> alludes to the other side. You know, you, you you take someone into the dark, but you you allude to the light and how how important it is to that darkness, um, and 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 vice versa. You know, you. You know, there's a song. Uh, there's a song from the album. The lead single is called "For Sure," and and uh, I, in a way, like I feel like people completely miss the first few lines of the song. Like the very first line of the song is "Perish the pain." I was impoverished. Those ties that wind, and it's it's sang so lightly, delivered so pleasantly over this this beautiful vibey dance track. But it's really like like kill this this deep darkness inside of me that I've been carrying so long since these days when I was impoverished, the chains, the chains, the ties that wound around me, like this, this darkness that I have not been able to get rid of for all my life, like take it away, kill it. And it's like, that's what it is. So I think in a way, you know, that's a way of delivering something in a way that people can take lightly. And I, I hope my hope is is that it sinks in and it's like what is perished the pain you know what 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 is this what is this feeling you know playing playing with those those dimensions um because sometimes you need to 
yeah, you need to give something a lighter edge so that people can take it in um, and digest it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let me let me just say it's it's such a pleasure talking with you. Like you know, hearing you. your your willingness to be open and and share this stuff. Um, you know, the music already helps so many people, but I, I really appreciate you doing this because when somebody like yourself steps up, it it's it's that much more a possibility that the people who connect with you as an artist are going to be like, well, I'm I'm you know one more day. Like let me let me let me try this a little bit more. Um, and I'll just say probably what other people are, you know, look, I, I am, I hear what you were saying about the suicidal thoughts. I'm, I'm glad uh, you keep deciding to live, uh, you know, the world's a better place with you in it. So I appreciate Thank that. You. It's uh, important. Gotta just hold on people. It's yeah. gonna, we're gonna get through this. If you ever need me back, I'll be back. If you have uh, any other questions. Absolutely. Great talking with you. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, take care. Peace. So there it is. Sam Herring of Future Islands boldly sharing his struggle with depression, addiction, and suicidality. Now there's so much we can learn from Sam from this conversation. One of the most important things I think Sam discussed right away was contending with his own darkness. Many of us feel the darkness in the form of depression, suicidal thoughts, isolation, or even just a more bleak view of the world. And we feel that we have to avoid, ignore, or suppress our darkness. But this can be very damaging as we don't validate and understand our own thoughts and we become disconnected from ourselves. I loved how Sam talked about facing that darkness and what he described as touching the bottom. It's a beautiful metaphor for being willing to explore the depths of your feelings while recognizing that you have to be careful not to lose the light. And I also appreciated Sam's willingness to confront how he isolated as he explored his own darkness, particularly when he was in the throes of his addiction. Sam shared how he resolved his need to connect with people and to express his love for others. But he was doing so not by denying his darkness, but accepting it. It's such an important takeaway for people struggling with mental illness to realize. They don't have to choose between validating and exploring their own feelings and loving and connecting with others. They can do both, and they don't have to deny who they are or that they live with mental illness to lead a fulfilling and connected life. I want to thank the Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project, which is sponsored by Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you would like more information on anxiety or depression, please contact the Anxiety and Depression Association of America at 240-485-1001. If you're contemplating suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8225. And if you struggle with addiction and are looking for help, please contact Narcotics Anonymous at na.org. You can also check out the websites at Consequence of Sound and Sound Mind Live for more resources. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourselves and others. See you next time at The Crossroads. Consequence Podcast Network.